Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, hello, and welcome to the Nursing It Podcast. I'm your host, David Larson, and today I will be going over a pathophysiology and pharmacology review around all the different kinds of shock. Before I begin, I would like to remind listeners that if you have any questions regarding past topics or want me to go over something in a future podcast, please email me at nursingitpodcast at gmail.com and I'll make sure to address your questions. With that said, sit back, relax, and let's jump right into circulatory shock. So circulatory shocks are an acute failure of the circulatory system to supply the peripheral tissue in the organs. And this leads to a state of cellular and tissue hypoxia because you decrease oxygen delivery while you need to increase oxygen consumption and you decrease oxygen utilization. So there are four different kinds of shock. And we'll also be going over the treatment of the different kinds of shock. So buckle up because this is going to be a very fun episode. So the first type of shock that we're going to be talking about today is cardiogenic shock. And the causes of this shock is damage to the heart, like an MI, ineffective pumping due to arrhythmias, um, or problems with open heart surgery. And this is basically a type of shock where the heart can't pump fast enough to meet the demands of the body. So the effect of this is hypertension, tachycardia, you'll be cool, pale, moist skin, you have shallow, rapid breathing, and your cardiac output will drop, but your systemic vascular restriction will increase. So this needs to be fixed. So the treatment with this uh, type of shock, there are, th- are four different kinds that we'll talk about. There's intragenic agents, such as dopamine and dobutamine, and milarone. So these will increase contractivity and arterial dilation while decreasing the afterload. So these are very, very helpful. Vasoconstriction, also is very important to maintain blood pressure uh, with this kind of shock, uh, while fluid treatment uh, is not effective. So the the vasoconstrictants such as epinephrine, dopamine, and uh, those will help to keep your blood pressure intact because one of the effects of cardiogenic shock is hypotension. Nitropurocytes also help and it helps by uh, decreasing arterial resistance against which the heart pumps. So it's a vasodilator, but it helps with just getting the heart back into rhythm. And finally, a more invasive, but not super invasive uh, strategy is using an intra-aortic balloon pump. What this does is this is actually a balloon that is inserted and it, when it, it inflates during diastolic and deflates during systolic, so it helps get the heart back into rhythm. Now that we're done with uh, cardiogenic shock, let's move on to obstructive shock. So obstructive shock is where there's a mechanical obstruction of blood through the central circulation. 
So this could be caused by a PE, pulmonary embolism, a dissecting aortic aneurysm, a car cardiac tamponade, a pneumothorax, or an atrial myxoma. And this will lead to the inability of the heart to fill properly and obstructs outflow. So to fix this, you have to tackle the obstruction. So that may that be a fibrolytic agent or, of the, or anything of the sort. Next is hypovolemic shock. And this is basically caused by a loss of blood or a loss of plasma. So this happens with a trauma or even a burn victim. And the effect would be hypotension, tachycardic, a deep rapid breathing, decreased urine output, and a pallor skin that is sweaty. And this will lead to a decreased cardiac output and an increase in uh, SVR pressure. Now the treatment for this kind of shock is basically using colloids or crystalloids. Now, these are the basic IV pumps that will pump fluid in to help replace the lost volume. But there is a difference between the colloid and the crystalloid. So colloids administered via IV are things that increase osmotic pressure to draw water into the interstitial spaces and expand plasma volume. And it may uh, help um, but it could cause uh, have a problem because you're not re not removing excess fluid, so you could lead to pulmonary edema if it's not monitored properly. The prototype drug for this is human serum albumin, and the mechanism of action, like I mentioned, increasing intravascular volume to increase blood pressure. So you have to be careful, as I said, for pulmonary edema and congestion or circulatory overload. Now let's move on to crystalloids, and these consist of solutions that are isotonic uh, with physiological concentrations of electrolytes, and they are administered via IV as and to replace lost fluids and maintain blood pressure and promote urine output. And they can leave the vasculature, unlike colloids, so there's not really that much of a risk of edema or congestion or overload, but you still have to monitor. So the most common saline is normal saline, 0.9% uh, sodium chloride. So this is made of 155 milliosmoles per liter of sodium and chloride. And is used for resuscitation efforts or to replace lost fluids to treat hypovolemic shock or shock in general. And it is usually administered with blood products. The next is lactated ring solution. This not only has sodium and chloride, but it also has some potassium and calcium. Uh, this is needed for resuscitation for burn and trauma patients, treat acute blood loss or hypovolemia, um, and it is also an alkylating agent. So you have to be very cautious of the patient's pH and serum pH. So some contraindications are if patients can't metabolize lactate or lactic acids, and it's not for renal failure because it could lead to hyperkalemia due to the addition of potassium. Now there is ringer solution that is similar to lactated ringer solution, but is not an alkalizing agent. So this is not ideal for metabolic acidosis. Now onto dextrose in water. Now this has uh, dextrose and it also has some calories. So it's both an isotonic and a hypotonic, and it initially dilutes osmolarity, but once cells use up the dextrose, the remaining saline and electrolytes act isotonic. 
So it provides free water for the kidneys and aids renal extraction of solutes. And it also is needed to uh, treat hypernatremia, but is not used alone because it can dilute elect electrolyte concentrations. It provides some calories, but it's not enough for prolonged use. Um, so, you, so some contraindications for this is in resuscitation or early post-operative because it can increase intracranial pressure. The fourth type of solutions are hypotonic solutions, and we kind of talked a little bit about that. So these basically have low amounts of sodium and chloride, 0.45%. Um, so it's about half of the normal 0.9% of NaCl. And this helps with lowering serum osmolarity by causing fluid to shift out of the blood and into the cells. So this treats intracellular dehydration, but it may worsen existing hypovolemia and hypotension, so use it with caution. Hypertonic solutions help by drawing water out of the cells. This increases extracellular uh, volume. This is used to treat hyponatremia, volume expanders, and correct electrolyte abnormalities. So this has about double-ish or a little bit more of those solutions than just a normal saline solution. So it's like 3% NaCl or 5% dextrose. And the last kind of electrolyte imbalance is disruptive or vasodilatory shock. So this type of shock is a loss of blood vessel tone or an enlargement of a vascular component leading to blood cooling at the pooling at the periphery. So normally the volume of blood doesn't fill so the normal volume of blood doesn't fill the circulatory system. So there's no vasoconstriction to move the blood. And what this causes is a decreased sympathetic control of vasomotor tone, an excessive release of vasodilators. And this could be caused by vessel damage and hypotension. So there are three different kinds of shock within this category. The first one is neurogenic shock, where there's a decrease in the sympathetic control of vessels, vessel tone, due to problems of the vasomotor system. This can cause hypotension, bradycardia, or warm, dry skin. There will also be a decrease in cardiac output, so the venous and arterial dilation and decrease in sympathetic tone. Anaphylactic shock is also in this shock, where it is IgE, so an antibody-mediated systemic allergic reaction. Hypotension, tachycardia, dyspnea, and decreased level of consciousness will occur with anaphylactic shock. Finally, there's septic shock. This is due to a severe infection and systemic response to the infection. Systemic inflammation response syndrome can occur from this and cause alterations in temperature, heart rate, respiration rate, and increased white blood cell count. And this can lead to organ dysfunction due to hypotension and hypoxemia. In the end, this leads to a decrease in cardiac output and can cause fever and a pink, warm, flush skin. And one of the biggest fears of disruptive vasodilated shock is called MODS, or multi-organ dysfunction syndrome. The presence of altered organ function in an acutely ill patient. 
such that the hemostasis cannot be maintained without intervention. And this is a scary state to be in, and it, this is basically how people can die from these kinds of shocks, is your organs just aren't working like they should be. And with that, folks, this will be the end of the episode. Next episode, we're going to be talking about electrolytes. So we'll be going over all the normal values and things to look at. So it should be a very interesting episode, and I bet a lot of you will get a, get a kick out of it because electrolytes are very important, and it helps us as nurses and medical professionals get a good baseline for the patient along with vital signs. So it's pretty interesting. As always, you can talk, contact me at nursingatpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll make sure to take the time to answer any of your hard-hitting questions. I hope you all had as much fun listening to this podcast as I had making it, and I wish you all a happy rest of your day. Until next time, I'm David Larson, and I look forward to talking with you all soon. Take care. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.